0: Hello and welcome to a time of edification with Soul Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. With me to look at that. It's from to fourteen. I know this is where we stopped, but this is around where we stopped. Alright, two weeks ago. So I want to just pick up some things from there and focus. Look. Chapter 18, from verse 9 to verse 14. Glory to Jesus. He says, and he spoke this parable also certainly trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Can you see the problem there? The problem was that they trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Because now, some can see this and say, ah, all those people that are saying, you know, are righteous. and this one, and that one. Well, the problem really at the end of the day is not that a man acclaimed himself righteous. All right? I mean, if at the end of the day you are actually righteous and you acclaim yourself as such, then there's nothing wrong with it. All right, but in reality, the problem was that they trusted in themselves that they are righteous or that they were righteous. All right. So he says, and despised others. says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. He says the one a Pharisee and the other a publican, the tax collector. He says the Pharisees stood and prayed thus for himself God, I thank thee <laughs> that I'm not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. So that first I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. He said that the publican standing above would not lift up so much as his eyes up unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, Since I tell you that this man went down to his house, more justified than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be obeyed, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Hallelujah. I know I, I cannot but, in, in, in listening to the prayer of this Pharisee, I cannot but think about, you know, those prayers that our parents used to pray, you know, they say um many are in the mortuary or in the sanctuary. You know, many today, many studies here with us, but they are not here anymore. And after they have to say all those funny things, and I say we are not going to mock them. <laughs> we're going to verify your If you're not going to mock them, then don't just say it. Then no look what You don't you don't need to magnify your 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 confession of other people's uh words the word now the Commission of other people's problems, all right, or other people's suffering does not in any way magnify God. It doesn't, all right. Just thank God for what you want to thank God for. There's no need to be saying there are some that have died, there's some that are this thing, there's some that, that one, and that's just by you, all right. But see what it says here. Look at what Jesus is saying here. And now, by natural estimation, one would expect if anybody was gonna ask us who do you think is going to be more justified between the Pharisee and then the publican? Now, to be fair. According to worldly standards, and in fact, according to moral standards, and that's something very important to note, according to moral standards, the Pharisee actually has more of a right standing before God. Because here's the thing, according to the law, the Pharisee is actually meant to pay tight. Do you understand me? So if we are actually looking at in terms of morality, in terms of morality, the Pharisee should have been more justified than who? Than the publican or the tax collector. But guess what? You know, God's ways are far far above our ways Because then we realize that as a matter of fact, the person who was justified in this case was the tax collector and not the Pharisee. Why was he justified more than the Pharisee? Simple, because he did not trust in himself for his righteousness. You see, and, and here's the problem. People will pay attention to this scripture and they, they will read this scripture and they will not pay attention to what matters more. So now, somebody will see this place now and they think the problem is that, oh, you know, that, that means that fasting is not necessary. That means you should not pay tax. You're you not getting the important thing. The problem wasn't that the Pharisee was paying tax, or that the Pharisee was fasting. I mean, Jesus himself fasted. I mean, this same Jesus paid taxes. This same Jesus gave. Are you with me? So the problem was not that the Pharisee was not was was doing things that were wrong necessarily. The problem was that he thought that was the basis upon which he was qualified to stand before God. And the reality of it is that one way or the other, or in some, you know, made up fashion, we actually do this. We do it. So, for example, a lot of us, there are certain mornings when we are not confident to praise God. There are certain mornings. You know, maybe, for example, you know, yesterday, he just gave that, you know, offering. You know, there's, you know, there's an offering that is, I don't know how to those offerings that move together. you know like when you give those kind of offers, there's just a the way you just feel like you know you know like god god has to listen to me i mean what else is he who else is he listening to <laughs> you know i mean we are we are we are not kingdom of financiers you know he might not listen to me You not things will happen to me and even though we don't say it out sometimes we mean it that way you know and you know sometimes you want to pray in the morning and you kind of just do a scan of the day before or the week before and you think about if hey, there's anything bad or good that you've done and if the good outweighs the bad, all right, maybe it is a significant good, whatever to the you know, minute bad that you did, you feel more confident. But maybe the night before was that unfortunate nights when you fell back into an addiction. Do you understand me? Or you fell back into a particular habit. Then that morning, you're not as confident to pray as you should. You are not as confident. And say, let me say something that you need to understand again and again, all right? The believer is not supposed to, you know, you know, he's not supposed to live in long habits or in bad habits, all right? But the reality of it is this. Your confidence and your assurance to stand before God at the end of the day is not a function of the good deeds that you do. Good deeds are good. And in fact, you should continue them. But in reality, all right, what makes a man stand before God, all right, in order for him to have access to God is not a function of what the man does. You need to realize, despite the fact that Cornelius was a devout man, he was a just man, one that did good. At the end of the day, his good deeds did not get saved. He had to go and, you know, he had to call for a man that would preach to him words by which he would be saved. So, at the end of the day, a man is not justified by the things that he does. You are not justified by the works of the Lord. No, rather by faith. We're going to look at that very soon. So, you need to understand. So, you need to understand that the problem here is not we saying, oh, you know don't do you know don't do this you know, i mean by, by don't do this i mean don't do good deeds. don't do, don't tell the truth and so, and so on that's not what we are saying we are saying tell all the truth you want to tell do as much good as you should because you're a believer but in reality those things are not the basis upon which your faith stands no in fact those things that you do you then do in response to that which god has done for you and so you realize that at the end of the day i'm saved by grace and not by work it by grace, are you saying true faith? Not of works, it is the gift of God. Let any man should boast. Let me say something if, in if, when you look at the scope of your understanding of salvation and you have something to boast about, then you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. You must always look at salvation, and one thing must always constantly stand before you not of works. Let any man should boast. If I have anything to boast about in salvation, then I'm wrong. Not of works, let any man should boast. No matter how devout I am. No matter how nice I am, no matter how good I am, no matter how kind I am, the reality of it is still this, it is by grace through faith. And I've told you before, whether that's the most terrible person there is, or to the best of men, is that truth still stands, by grace you are saved through faith. By grace you are saved. By grace you are saved. So guess what? At the end of the day, if this Pharisee wants to be justified, you know what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to forget the fact that he passed. Sure, is that my point? Fasting thing is good, tight is good, but guess what? He's going to have to say, despite all these things that I do, I still choose to affirm that my righteousness is a function of that which God does. It's a function of that which God has given me. Don't you get it? So I just spoke and he says our righteousness is at a big deal. The best of is a prophet speaking, he's a prophet in Israel. He's not just some random man on the streets, he's not a bad boy. <laughs> he's not a bad boy. But guess what? This man says our righteousness is our spirit right and it's correct. Hallelujah! For glory be to God. In Christ Jesus, only, we receive righteousness. Glory to Jesus. And our righteousness is no longer, even though in ourselves by our own power, our righteousness is our spirit right. Guess what? We have received now the righteousness of God. And so, Bible says in First Corinthians one verse thirty. In First Corinthians one verse thirty, it says, "But of him are you in Christ Jesus, which by God is made unto you wisdom, righteousness, all right, um, sanctification, and redemption." So we have received in Christ Jesus the righteousness of God. Hallelujah! Glory to God! And let's continue. Now look at Matthew five, Matthew five, verse twenty. Matthew chapter five, verse twenty. Matthew chapter five, verse twenty. He says, "For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God." And I already, I told you how ridiculous this sounds, actually. You know the only way you can read this verse and think, you know, I, I remember, I think it was my secondary level, my level. was in a particular group page. I was in a group page, in because it's a Christian group page actually. And then someone, you know, quoted this verse, and then you know, it was all these funny things that people make. And he said, what are the example? If I see someone that will tell everybody come early to church, but he will not come to church, you know, he, I'm sorry, he will not, he will tell tell everybody to come early to church, he will not come early to church. It's somebody that. You know, when everyone is going to judge, you will stay back at home. You know, just trying to paint an example of just people who are not serious. And I I said, you really don't know what you're talking about. And I want I, I, I to believe I just say it that way. But like for you to for you to type something like that, you really don't know who a Pharisee is. That's the truth. You really, you really don't know who a is. Just to give you an idea of how powerful Pharisees were. Pharisees were so powerful that a man who was blind from death, all right, his parents could not affirm that Jesus got in him. Just think about that. that, that you have a man who was, blo- he was born blind from when he was born. Imagine how excited his parents must have felt that their child can now see. And guess what? They stood in front of the Pharisees and they could not have felt that it was Jesus that got that the got value. That's to just give you how powerful. I need to understand that the strength of the Pharisees, they didn't have any political power. In those days, the Romans were the ones who had the political power, and that's reason they were, you know, colonized. So, in reality, the only power that the Pharisees had was sort of a religious and moral power given to them as a function of, you know, their devotion to the laws. So, a Pharisee is one who is schooled in the law. You need to know it is not some, it's not some guy who is just or serious. He is schooled in the law. He follows it to the letter. So you understand, there are men who they can't afford to even eat. Now, the, now this is even an average Israelite. And I think you cannot like, to eat with the Samaritan, not to talk of a Pharisee. So you need to understand who we are talking about when we talk of a Pharisee. And yet, again, Jesus says, except the, original, the original of the Pharisees, which shall be not get to you know you know, this is where, this is a place where somebody talks you just say, just tell us that you don't want to talk about anybody to go. You know, then maybe you just say, you just tell us that you don't want us to enter. They just for us you here. You you are not going, just let us know that this heaven that I have been talking about, nobody can enter. Do you get me? Let's just agree. And let's just know that in this life we just enjoy and forget about this heaven. Because if you think that what he's saying is that you have to be better than the Pharisees, it's just not possible. Do you understand? So, he was saying something a lot more important. When he says your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of, of the Pharisees then there is only one possible way it means that god himself has to be the one to give you the righteousness because there is no way by the things you do your righteousness will ever exceed the righteousness. It's not possible it's not possible do you understand and that's the reason when i begin to read downwards in that chapter all right? jesus now began began to do something very hysterical he began to heighten the requirements of the law so he says for example he says says, you know it is written in the law that you shall not commit adultery then he says, but I tell you this. He says, whoever even so much as looks at a woman lustfully, all right, he says, <laughs> he has committed the sin already. Now, that's ridiculous. Because <laughs> at some point or the other, just understand me? And just to be clear, when we say that you have looked at the woman lustfully, nobody is saying that you looked at her because, you know, in your mind, you had sex with her or something like that. Not necessarily. Just you understand me? As long as you look at somebody who is not your own, and you say, ah, didn't is your You know i say. There is this funny thing that people say you know, say, the yeah, or something like that. You know, once you have that thought in your mind, randomly, just randomly, <laughs> you're already in danger. <laughs> you're in condemnation already. So now when you understand what Jesus is saying, you just know this thing is not possible in the flesh. You understand? That, that's when you will now cause the mess and say, by the arm of flesh, I don't to be There's no, there's no point in trying to attain this thing by myself. And so Jesus then now introduces the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. Or he introduces the righteousness of God. This will now explain, all right, what. Well, better let your Bible to match myself from a state to Before I see what I want to say, Mark's from a state to He says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands often, eat not. Only the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they don't eat. Imagine the extent of this detail. Can you see that? He says, so they have to wash. Even when they come from outside, they get to the door, they have to wash. They're in the water for cleansing. They wash their hands. They wash their legs. Do you understand me? Before they go in. That's how they are. Before they So if they don't do that, they go not eat. So they had ceremonial rights that they paid the attention to to the letter. To the letter. So that's you need to know who these people are. Do you understand me? And so the point of... So what Jesus was trying to do to them was to let you see that... The law, you cannot, you can't be justified. You can't be righteous. Do you understand me? So the point of the law was to make men come to the point where they recognize the need for the righteousness that God will give. And that's the reason why he now tells you in Romans 10 and verse 4, all right, he says, for Christ is the end of the law, so righteousness to everyone that believes. Is the end. Is the fulfillment. Is the fulfillment. So the expectation was that a man would try, you know, to do the law, all right we'll try to attain righteousness in the law and then realize the futility of such. All right, and then in so doing what would happen, he would then go after the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus' true faith. That was the purpose of the law, that was why the law was given. Look at Romans 10. Interesting. We're about to read it. Romans 10 from verse 1 to verse 13. It's a long read. Romans 10 from verse 1 to verse 13. He says, break. Written, but for Israel, is that they might be saved. He says, by bringing them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to unto the righteousness of God. He says, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believes. Moses described the righteousness of, which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. All right. But the righteousness which is of faith, speak on these wise: Take not in thine hearts, which shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Meaning, don't 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 think like this. Don't think. What can I do? What can I do? He says, don't think that way. He says, or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. He says, but what says it? He says, the word is ninety, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. He says that is the word of faith you preach. He calls it the word of faith. He says, the word is ninety. It's beside you. It's right there, in your heart and in your mouth. The word of faith. He calls it a message of faith. The message of the gospel is a message of faith. It's one that a man receives by faith, and it's one that provides faith for the man to receive it. Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen. That same chapter, he says, "For faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God." So the faith that a man in fact requires to receive the message is given by what is given by the message. It's called the message of faith, the word of faith. Faith. All right. Let's continue. He say faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He said, but with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He said, For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. for the same Lord is rich unto all that call upon him, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. It doesn't get any easier than this. It doesn't get any easier For with the heart man believes unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation so how does a man attain righteousness is it by the, by the things that he does how nice he is no is it by how good he is no even though all those things are good and it should be those things a man only believes unto righteousness you believe unto righteousness that's it righteousness is by faith in the gospel of the lord jesus says by faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Let's continue. Look at Romans three, from verse twenty to twenty-eight. Romans three, from verse twenty to twenty-eight. Romans three, from verse twenty to twenty-eight. He says, "Therefore, by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin." Oh, there, there's so much to say here. By the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. No flesh can be justified. I know. In Romans seven, he was talking about this even a lot better. He says you see once i was alive without the without the law he says but then the law came and sin revived and i died you see one of the reasons why the law cannot even justify a man is that with the law comes the awareness of sin that's the great thing about the law With the law comes a, a, a mindset comes sin. See, let me tell you something you know one of the one of the things that the eternal salvation of christ or the eternal sacrifice of jesus has done is that it has even brought it out, it has brought it out the idea that there has to be a consistent consciousness of sin. And that's something that happens with folks who teach salvation by works. There's just something about them that magnifies sin so much. I think that's good to those people? It, and here's the thing you, you quickly forget how your mindset has changed from sin to God. So, for example, when you talk to these people and you say, you know, you're talking to someone who believes that, you know, they are saved by works and, you know, um, well, well, um, you know what you do, the time is whether or not you go to heaven and so on and so forth. And here's the thing. When hold the way you're talking to them, you can almost tell the extent to which they hold on to sin. So, like you're saying, standing them, for example, that like, oh, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus has made the man free, and you know in Christ Jesus, you are saved eternally. And the only thing the person is telling you is that ah, even if you lie, yeah. So you are telling me now. So are you now saying that if you I know they come up with very, very stupid scenarios? Are you not saying that if a believer is on top of that or top of someone that is not his wife, is an adultery and the trouble to some? First of all, I don't want to say that that doesn't that doesn't even make any sense. And the reason it doesn't make any sense is this is that why must you use an extreme to give an explanation? And that's it. to be honest, if anybody, if anybody asks me that question, I just believe you're not asking in good faith. Because why? What would that information do to you? Why should why should the first thing you hear, when I tell you that by the sacrifice of Christ you are saying eternally, the first thing that comes to your mind is if somebody's committing why is seeing so much of a big deal for you? do you understand my point why can't you why can't you think that okay maybe it's possible that the sacrifice of jesus is actually greater than sin just just at least just just think in that line why is that the first thing that the person has to respond to is uh, that someone can just be lying anyhow they want to lie. why because you see there's something about when you teach salvation by words that heightens a people's mindset about what they do do you understand? And most of it heightens the power of sin. It does. It does. Do you understand? As some of you would actually, if you if you pay attention to this, you will notice that one of the things that the knowledge of the grace of God in the gospel has done to you is that somehow there's not so much a consciousness of sin. It's almost like as though there is no, you know, there's no chain on your neck. You live free. Now, get the irony of it at the end of the day is that because there's not so much a consciousness of sin. You you actually have seen yourself go through days, all right, where there was, there was nothing wrong. No lies, no stealing, do you understand? And no pressure whatsoever. No pressure whatsoever. You need something in fact that you're gonna learn. If you find someone who is struggling with that habit, one of the worst things you can ever do to the person is to make the person constantly conscious of the fact that they don't want to fall into that habit. They will fall into it. it. Do you understand? It's just that it is just it's just the way it works. You'll fall into it you because you see, by the very nature of man whatever you focus on becomes bigger that's just the way we are that's the way we are wired to. there's something about our focus that enlarges whatever it is we are paying attention to that's it that's it and this is even the reason why generally you know when it comes to solving problems generally you know particularly in the creative industry you often hear things like take a break walk away and come back why do you think they say that it's because you are so fixated on that issue you cannot longer see anything outside do you Understand me, you are now so you are so streamlined in your perspective, you can no longer see what's happening outside, and so that particular thing which might even money should be, become so big to you because that tiny dot, because your gaze is fixated on it, a tiny dot has become a very big circle. Do you understand me? It has become a very big. So now, what do you have to do? Don't focus on it, focus on Christ Jesus, focus on the sacrifice. So now, when you wake up in the morning, all right. Your, your, your response should not be, ah, you know, wait, wait, wait I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to I'm not going to do it I'm not going to do that no, no, that's not it. You, you wake up in the morning and you back in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus for you make me righteous. For my neighborhood now to live above sin. I walk in righteousness. That's who I am. That's my new nature. I walk in the spirit. And therefore I do not yield to the lust of the flesh. The spirit of God is walking in me. I've got love. I've got joy. I've got peace. I've got you know, I've got self-control, I've got temperance, I've got meekness, I've got gentleness. I'm walking in the spirit today. All that I need, I have by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's how to respond. That's how to respond, and you will see that the joy of the Lord will fill your heart so much so that you will find yourself walking in the spirit. You find yourself walking in the spirit, that's how to do it. That's how to do it. So, the answer is five of the 17. He says, therefore, if any, any man be Christ is a new creature. He says, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, he gave you an instruction. The problem, a lot of times, is we don't pay attention to what we are reading. He gave you an instruction. Behold is not, it's not a noun, it's a dead. Behold, look, all things have become new. So now, but it even shows in the kind of songs we sing. The things I used to do, I do them no more. Behold, all things have become new. Enough with uh, um, there's a, uh, all things are passed away. They are passed away. Why are you praying that those things are passed away? Do you know to pass away with? They are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So why not behold the things that are new? Hallelujah. You pay attention to new things. So now, maybe you shouldn't be singing the things that you to do. I don't have no more. But that. The things in Christ that have become new. They are now mine. Hallelujah. But, and that's why, if you pay attention, you will actually notice that most of the time, in places where, the uh where salvation is taught by works, you find believers there, and, and, and you know, this is not very this is just, this is not me saying everywhere, all right. But you will find people pay more attention to the things that God has done away with than paying attention to what they cannot do in Christ Jesus. Do you understand me? So now when you spend all your time talking about the difference, the five, the five um five deadliest things of sin, the five H of fornication. The five J's of, I don't know, of adultery, another all those kind of things. Now, you don't even have time to actually pay attention to the things that you cannot do in Christ Jesus. How about the flow of the Holy Ghost? How about laughing in the Holy Ghost? How about joy? How about words of knowledge and words of wisdom? How about evangelism and discipleship? You cannot see, let me tell you something, you can't focus on the old things that are passed away and the new things, and the old things that have become new at the same time. You have to, That your point of focus is to fix your mind on one thing. So you have to drop one and move on. Do you me? I've always told you guys this before. That at the end of the day, do you realize that Peter never even spoke about the about the fact that he denied Jesus? Never again. After what happened, there, it never came up again because it doesn't matter. All things have become new. All things. Go and look at it. Any time when Paul actually spoke about the way he was before, it was because he was about to give thanks to God. Do you understand me? So it was memory. he was. It wasn't like he was recounting his past experience. Do you understand me? Or, you know, feeling bad about who he was, for no, do you realize that every time when Paul spoke about the forgiveness of sins, he never said, ah, because when I was in the world, no, 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 ah, what terrible, ah, you know what he said, he says, you know, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Do you understand? We don't have forgiveness of sins according to how bad our past was, no, according to the riches of his grace. So see, listen, whether for the man who had persecuted the church and had killed thousands of disciples, or for the person who all the is that he borrowed matches, and instead of using instead of using three, like he told his neighbor, he used four. Both of them, eh, at the end of the day, they are saved by grace through faith. Hallelujah. the the forgiveness of sin they received is upon the basis of the riches of the grace of God, not as a function of so it's not like ah, you give us your forgiveness, more. If you did lead to the forgiveness, not as bad as you know. Both of them, you are forgiven. You have received redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, Romans 3, still, verse 21. He says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Without the law is manifested. He says, Be witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. It says in verse 23, for all I've seen that come of the glory of God, and I've explained this before. Right? that when he says, for all I've seen, there was a context in Romans 1 and Romans 2. The gentiles have seen past the law, the Jews have seen according to the law. So when he says, for all i sinned, seen, he's not saying everybody has seen shall know. He's saying the Jews have seen according to the law, the gentiles have seen without the law. But no, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. You know, for a very long time, I, I knew this verse, Romans 13, verse 23, but I never knew what was following afterwards. You say, Oh, I've seen that God loves In fact, this one is even better. There's a particular verse, Romans 6 and verse 23. That one is even worse. Because it is the same verse. But somehow, the only man learn Romans 6 23. A. A. Now, it says, For the wages of sin is death. For the same verse, it says, For the gift of God is eternal life. Why focus on the wages of sin being death? You like death so much. Why don't you focus on the gift of God being eternal life? Hallelujah. I've got the gift of God. Hey! I'm to gift of God. There are no wages of sin for me anymore. I'm passed from death to life. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? It's not, this is not, um, I am enjoying life until when death comes. No, I'm passed from death to life. There's no death here anymore. I'm passed. Not in law. You know, it's called, the something you remember says in recorder, the Passover. Ah, a Passover. That's what it is. There's no death here anymore. All I see is life. That's all there is. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, something for the church, my man, he do not want to die again. It's not death for you, don't the you don't. that's the reality. I'm not going to die. Glory to Jesus, in Christ I have eternal life. Eternal life, all right. So, back to Romans, they have 23 me. He says, For all I've seen, and come short sure of the glory of God. He said, Being justified freely by the grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus. Being justified free. Ah, oh, you know, if they had even just said, Being justified. By his grace, through the redemption in Christ, you know, that's fine. He used the word freely, you know. There's a way sometimes, just to let you understand, because the idea of it is this: if your justification is by redemption, then for you it was free. You understand? God paid, but you see Trust But he had to put it there so that you are you are clear that you understand what he said. He said you are justified freely, meaning there is nothing you do for your justification, you are justified freely should be justified freely by his grace. The word grace that means benevolence, charis, benevolence. Alright, it means the free giving name. He says, by his grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus. He says, whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. He says, to declare this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. He says, where is posting that it is excluded? By works law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It's a conclusion. Just after everything that we said and done, he says, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. Not by the works of the law. I'm justified by faith. In Christ Jesus, that's my standing. I have the right standing in, God, in front of God because of because of faith. It's not The things I so listen to me. Whether on days where I've had a very good day in terms of more in terms of morality and I've done everything right, or days when well I made mistakes, I fell into sin. All right, guess what? Either of those two days, eh, I don't. There is no day when I have a better reason to stand before God than the other day. Now, this doesn't mean that I should continue with my moral failings and my moral faults. But this just means that even on days when I don't do my best as a believer, I still don't stand before God begins. And on days when I do awesome as a believer, I don't stand before God feeling fly. No. Either days is by the grace of God. Ah, oh, glory to Jesus. It's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. Because you see, a lot of times we can focus on just the fact that, oh, you know, whether or not you are insane, you know, um, it's by the grace of God. And we don't focus on the fact that he listens to me. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's still by grace of God. It doesn't matter how nice you are. I've told you before, Cornelius was a devout man. He saying that the gospel will be preached to him. That's how it is. That's how it is. So it's not just by, oh, I'm a nice guy. No, I don't I don't follow those. I don't do stuff. I don't do this. I don't do that. No. It's, you know, and I, I always call Romans four. To him that worketh, he says, the reward is not reckoned of grace, but of death He says, but to him that walketh not, but on him that justifies your God. I have told you before. The reference there was Abraham. How do you talk about Abraham being justified? And you say to him that walketh. not, that's a very, that's a very scandalous statement. Too. Abraham, that God said, leave your father's house to praise I will show you what the left. Then you that that man was justified, and how do you say justified? He says to him that walketh not, Abraham walketh not. Someone that was going to kill his child, you say to him that walketh not. But guess what? To him that walketh not, was justifies on the God. But sorry, but believes on the God who justifies your God. That's a God. That's a God. Hallelujah. According to man's wisdom, according to earthly wisdom, we say, oh well, Abraham, you know, he did a lot of good things. He must have been justified. No. According to the wisdom of God, guess what? We see. In everything he has, in everything Abraham did, we don't see his righteousness in himself. Rather, we see the righteousness of God that was imputed to Abraham. And that Abraham only did those things because he had received the righteousness of God. Just as a reason of his, his confidence in the covenant of God's righteousness, he then did those things. That's it. And That's it. you see, let me say this your devotion takes a whole new level when you understand that I do the things I do. As a function of my relationship with God, I'm not doing it to make God happy so that He will make me more righteous. No, no. Let, let me let me say this you see, don't judge God through the lens of your parents, don't, don't. And in reality, in fact, let me say this that there are sometimes when <laughs> have you ever spoken to your friend of God before or just anybody and you see very healthy parenting and they're like, ah, that's what I do in my head. You know, maybe maybe for example, you know, seen a video. You know, a child. You give you give food to a child. The child eating half of his food. Full. He's full already. Just and then you know, the average African parents. And then, you know, and then you see maybe a video of a young boy who is you know is filled up he's not eating, and then you know. His parents, you know, he tells his mom I'm full, I can't intend them. You know, but then he's not supposed to that's fine. You know, maybe put it in the freezer or something and then we'll warm it up later for you to think. And then you see very healthy and proper parents, and then you realize that uh, like, you the one way I don't they used to, be. you know, normal. Nobody's so all that they are supposed to do. Do you understand me? And so that's profit the way it is for some of us, even when it comes to our understanding of fatherhood. Sometimes, for example, some of us might even think that your you know, maybe you're not saying, if you don't do this, I, mean, I will not be your school fees Probably because that's the way you've been raised. You think that, oh, when they say God is my father, it just means there's a transactional relationship I have say, if I don't do this, hey, just the way my little dad, if I don't do like this, he will not do this for me. That's the same way, if I don't do like this with God, do this. there's the reason. that's the, That's the reason why Bible always says how much for your heavenly father. Meaning, at the end of the day, eh, no matter how good your dad is, God is way better point so even if your dad was the best example of it guess what god is way better than that that's the reality god is way better than that so do not see the fatherhood of god on the lens of your human or natural relationships you can try to use that to have an understanding but it still doesn't even come close It still does not he still does not but then you will agree with me also that for a lot of for a lot of us in fact i say this particularly for me as well that our relationship with our parents got better when there was no longer pain you know, you, know, you know, I, for example, you know, you, know, you know, when I always make this joke, but you know, when your mom looks at you and says, ah, is your <laughs> You know, you, you think you know what it takes for an African parent to look at you. Of course, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say that she did apologize. Who am I to say so? <laughs> but you know, when your, your mother looks at you and says, ah, you know. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, you don't think, all right. Now, I mean, then, of course, I was, I always did good by her. But the reality of this was, it wasn't because I liked her or anything. It wasn't because I was scared of her. I mean, now, you can't do anything to me. <laughs> not, I mean, don't tell her that, I said that. get point. but like, <laughs> you can't do anything to me anymore. And so now, when I do things for her, all right, or when I do things, generally, when I do things for her, or when I do things that she tells me to do. It's no longer from a perspective of her, "if I don't do this, it, it's going to beat me." No, I'm a son for God's sake. I'm a responsible son. I do things that should make my mom happy, and when I do, when I do things that don't necessarily make her happy, the first thoughts that come not my head is, "Yeah, she should be so me." That's unhealthy. <laughs> that's extremely toxic. Ah, what is it? No, that's not it. I Feel bad about it. I do my best to fix some, fix something up. I apologize to her about it, but guess what? That's not what makes me a son. Do you understand? That's not what makes me a son. It's not like you're not ah, because you did this and you did this. Ah, you're not my son again. Me, shame on me. No, I'm still your son. There's no way I'm going to. There's no way you can push me to. All right. There's nothing. You know, even, you know one of the funniest things you can ever have is falsehood. Disown your children legally, whether you disown him legally or illegally. The reality of this is that your DNA is still in him. still whether whether or not you like it, you are he's still your child, or she's still your child. I disown you. You're not my again. It's a lie. <laughs> it's a very big lie. He's still your other one is calm. I promise you, there will be never there'll never be a time when you hear that something bad happens to that child. No matter what you say if you sold him you want to figure out what you issue because it's yours, it's yours, and now that's that's and that's an earthly father. How much for your heavenly father? How much for your heavenly father? So you need to realize your your basis for your relationship with God is not one that should be out of him he's not a tax master. So understand. Some of us have the of God that God is just one guy. He's calling back. He's a school teacher, and he just does this, he just mess up and just. But no, Bible says it is, it is God who works in you. Ah, He works in me to so will and to do. So meaning that in this walk of faith, I'm not on my own. We are working together. We are working together. So my point. So it's not God looking at me. in so we we live for 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 we are ready for That's not God. So God, rather, He's working in you, He's working with me, He's working in me to so will and to do His good pleasure. Hallelujah! The faith, the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Glory God. But look at what He says. Also, very importantly, in verse twenty-five, verse, 25, verse Yeah, He says to so declare and say, "At this time is righteousness." that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And I've said this before to you guys, that God, God is not only our justifier. God is just for justifying us. Or better still, God is just in, in, in the way he has justified us. You see, because you see, it, you need to understand that when God justifies us, God is not overlooking. And that's something that a lot of folks who don't subscribe to, the lordship or or whereas who do not subscribe to the eternity of salvation of jesus that, sorry or the salvation of jesus this is the reason it's because the thing that what we are saying is that god has god is overlooking sin nobody said god overlooks sin. we are saying god paid for sin himself do you understand he paid for sin himself that's the point do you understand me so he didn't just say god didn't just rule to the answer no he came do, do you understand what we are saying grace is the mystery of godliness god was manifest in the flesh he was justified in the spirit, he was seen of angels, he was believed up, you know, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So you need to understand what we are talking about. This is God that came as a man to die. Do so you understand? So it's not like as though God just closed his eye to the bad things that people were doing and say, you know, or looking, just that, yeah, I know. I've not seen that. That's not it. He paid the price. So now, when I received, and that's why it is called redemption to redeem. To pay, to pay so as to bite someone. So, it's not just that God just, you know, He just did, you know, He just did we to the answer, you know, has everything, and then just, you know, saved us and whisked us away. That's not it. He pays the price for sin. The wages of sin is dead. So, He died. Do you understand? So, now you have every legal right to what you have received. Do you get it? So, now, this is why you can stand only assured of that which you have. Because the price was actually paid for it. So it is free for you, but in itself, it is not free because it was paid for. It is only free for you. You receive it free. You receive it free. You know, like for, for some of us, it's the kind of lifestyle we grew up in. We didn't pay for it. We received it freely. But that's what? It was paid for by the sweat of your parents. Which, by the way, I must add that was one reason why you should you're not happy Father's Day. Just that it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what happened. You don't have any excuse. If you do not send him Happy Father's Day by now, pick up your phone after the meeting, send him Happy Father's Day, and if you can't, send small Richard cards. You understand? Uh, enough with the talk. Happy Father's Day, yeah, we send, send well. yeah, Happy Father's Day. Yeah, we've you. Send small recharge cards to our website. See, you. Happy Father's Day to you, sir. Thank you very much for all that you do. So that's, by the way. So the reality of it is that, that you received it free, doesn't mean it was not paid for. It was paid for by God. But then you are enjoying it free. That's, 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 that's the story of your, of your righteousness. That's the story of your salvation. Hallelujah. Salvation by grace should be. So, God is just. He is, he is just for justifying. He's just. Because as, as I think I, I told you last two weeks, that in reality, God is both a merciful God, but is a just God. If you overlook sin, agree that could be mercy. But guess what? That's not justice. That's not justice. So, in the work of salvation, we see the full wrath. Alright, or we see the full expression of God's justice and God's mercy. God's justice is this the soul that sins shall die. But God's mercy is this, is this that He came as a man to die. So he took that punishment. So the truth, the soul that sins shall die. Guess what? In response to that, God came as a man and died. To so what end that then you will receive it for Hallelujah. So guess what? My salvation was actually paid so people need to understand, so when we are saying that, you know, in Christ Jesus, your sin are forgiven, you need to understand what we are saying. For you to say that sin can make the believer go to hell, you need to understand what you are trying to say. You are trying to say that that's what Jesus did, the sacrifice that Jesus did, is not potent enough to harm That's what you are saying. Do you understand? And let me, I, 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 I think I said this before, that when you emphasize that the believer can go to hell, all right, you are doing two things. First of all is, this, is that you are undermining what sin is. You undermining what sin is. Do you understand? So, think that a man can go to heaven by doing good is ridiculous. You don't understand the impact of sin. You don't. You really don't understand. We are saying this thing is a nature. It's a nature in a man. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't. Look at what we said. What we saw in Matthew five, verse twenty. Unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees, do you understand me? You cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, you need to understand. To think that a man can do good to enter heaven is to undermine the power of sin. But then, at the same time, all right. To so think that you know a man is only can only be justified by what he does it's also undermine the sacrifice of Jesus. There is no sin so great that the sacrifice of Jesus cannot happen nothing. There is no sin so great. That's the reality. There is no sin so, so great. So in Christ Jesus, once and for all, I'm justified. Once and for all, I'm justified. I've received it free. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So God is just for justifying me. Second of the five of 21. Second reason five 21. Second of the five of 21. It's gonna run now. He says, For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we should be made the righteousness of God in the He made him to be saved for us who knew no sin. That we should be made the righteous. Now notice now we always put this verse about how the believer is righteous, and it's not entirely wrong, but really the context of Second Five of the 21. Is not necessarily about the righteousness of the believer. It's actually the righteousness of God. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Now we should be what? We should be called the righteousness of God in him. Do you understand? So we are an, we are an evidence of God's right standing. Why? Because He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So because Jesus, who was sinless, took upon him the nature of sin. Took upon him the punishment of sin for us, all right. That shows all right the righteous nature of God in ensuring that the justice for man was paid free. So to so show that he didn't just God is not corrupt. Do you understand me? He didn't he didn't look for shortcut out of it. So no, he paid it in full. And so by doing that, man has every legal right. At least the man that believes in the gospel has every legal right. To have an association with God, He has every legal right to righteousness. And guess what? Even the devil knows this, but he's hoping that you don't. Hallelujah! Listen, one that Jesus said in First John verse He says, "My children, all right, you know, I write this unto you that you sin not." He says, "But if any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous." You, you, you need to understand. Ah, oh, oh. The, the way John wrote that particular portion of scripture, I'm writing to you because I don't want you to sin. But listen if you sing you have an advocate with the father he is jesus christ the righteous he Is your advocate and i've taught you this before that's in the court of law guess what nobody cares even though anyone that committed the same as long as you have a lawyer your lawyer has the power of authority and guess what you know what that means it means in the court of law so even though you're the best of your case nobody wants to hear what you have to say unless you're a witness do you understand me unless you're a witness nobody has, nobody cares to hear so we are deciding over your life right now you are the one who is literally in the box. Do you understand me? It is your case we are deliberating. Well, guess what? Your advocate is the one who talks. So it means in the court of God, when you stand before God, all right, if the devil was there, and Jesus was there, because Christ is your advocate, guess what? You have nothing to say. He does all the talking. And the day has never come, and will never come, when the devil will have something to say, when Jesus has something to say. That's my confidence. Like you have an advocate to the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, he has to put it there. <laughs> ah, glory to God! Jesus Christ the righteous, that's my advocate. Glory to Jesus. So, God is just for justifying, God is just for justifying. Hallelujah. And so, let's run up looking at the very important portion. Look at one the thing. I've got Galatians, thing, sorry, Galatians, thing, we're supposed to be from verse 12, but we don't have time. And I want to jump all the way to verse 10. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Galatians 3 verse 10. He says, For as many as the, the works of the law are under the cross, for it is written, God is every one that considers not in all things, sorry, which are written in the book of the Lord to do them. He says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. He says, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. But look at what he says there. He says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith so what is he talking about them now what you can think that verse is saying is when it says the just shall live by faith He's saying that the just guy somebody who is already who is just you know the cool guy the nice guy he shall live faith. so normally he's a just guy just like me? Mean, but then he now begins to live by faith that's what, that's what that, that that has a semblance of correctness but then that would be going against what he has to say so far Because he just said, No man is justified by the law inside of God. Do you understand me? So, we don't don't count you being just as a function of the things that you do. Do you understand my point? So, to say that the just shall live by faith, he's saying a just man, a guy who is good, will live by faith. Already even presupposes that the man was already just before he began to live by faith. So, that can be what he's talking about. If he tells you that no man is justified before God by the works of the law, it means there is no there is no starting points where you're a good person. Is, they, they it it means it is in faith that you start. So what does it mean when he says that the judge shall live by faith? Now the word live there, of, of course, this verse was actually quoted in about three places in scripture. It was it was actually like a reference from Habakkuk 2 and verse 4, and then it was quoted in Romans 1 and 17, and also in Hebrews 10 and verse All right, most of the time we can't go there, but so it was quoted. Then also, seventh you seventh so, what is he talking about? Now, the word live there, when he says the just shall live by faith. the word live there is the Greek word zao. Now, of course, for from the word life, which means to it all right, but in the Greek word zao, and zao doesn't always mean to live. Da'o actually, also means begin to live, to start life. I'm looking for it, means to come alive. Just like, so zaho can mean to live, of course, all right, that like the, the, the process of living, but it can also mean to come alive into living. Let me put it that way. So it's like, it starts it into continuous. I don't think that's present continuousness, because I, I don't feel like, I don't, I don't think that's entirely present continuous because present continuous will just be that you are living, but rather it is to come alive into living. Do you understand me? So when he says the just shall live by faith, what he is saying is that the just is made alive meaning what even makes you counted just in the first place what what brings you into existence as a just man is faith into that life of faith the just shall come alive or the just exists by faith so for us people say oh you're a just man is by faith so it's not saying oh you're already just and then you begin to live by faith no the Word there is Zao come alive. So he's saying your very the very beginning or the very origin of the existence of a man who we consider to be just is by faith. That's 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 use perfect experience. The very origin, all right, or the very beginning of the existence who we consider to be just. So before we look to a man and say that man is just, guess what? It is because he started off in faith, so that faith him. And then he now continues in that life and of course it's not a betting that it bets you then you now move to something else no it is the same faith that bets you that sustains you just as it is the gospel that you receive that is the foundation upon which you stand that's the same way the faith of the gospel that you receive is the one that that, that gave birth to you and is also the one that sustains you hallelujah so when he it the judge shall live by faith it means the one who we consider just Exists as such by faith and continues to exist that way still by faith. And that reason, Galatians 3, Paul was so annoyed. Who has mm-hmm. bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whom Christ has been evidently set forth as crucified among you? He says, Tell me those who walk the spirit, who who minister the spirit among you? He says, Do they do it by the works by, by um by by faith or by the works of the law? He will minister the spirit among you, does it do it by the hearing of faith or by the work of the law? In other words, how do you start off? being saved or being justified by grace through faith, and then you think you want to continue works. So in other words, just to let you know that your very beginning, your very existence, your very coming into life is by faith. Do you understand me? And even then, your con- your continuity in life, of course by life, I mean spiritual is by faith. So, so when you hear the just shall live don't just think, oh, that is talking about the state of living. It actually also refers to the beginning of the just. What even makes the man just in the first place? See, the, the point of the man existing into justification is by faith. And then the process of him living in that justified life is still by faith. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So look at what it says in Romans 8, from the 31 to 34. We round up now. Romans 8 from the 31 to 34, and this is the conclusion of it. So now, but what's the in that theology there? Like, what's called call everybody called Paton? And then he says. He says what shall we say that to this thing oh he says if god be for us who can be against us ah hey if god be for us who can be against us if god be for us no moral no 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 moral judge can be against us if god be for us you know no no um no no dude with some over-bloated ego who thinks he has a right to declare who. God loves and who God doesn't love. He has no He has nothing to say here. He says, Who if God be for us? Who can be against us? Who is the devil? What are the laws? If God be for us, who can be against us? And then he continues. He says, He that spared not his own son, but deliver him out for us all. He says, How shall he not also with him also freely give us all things? He says, Who shall lay anything to the child of God's elect? It is God that justifies. I Meaning, it almost sounds like he's saying, Who who, who wants to talk? Who wants to talk? And then he says, It's God that justifies. Him. So shut up. Trust <laughs> sure that. Who shall lead anything to the child of God, God's elect? It is God that justifies. Him. He says, Who is it that condemns? It is Christ that died. Rather, that is risen again. Who is he but at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Hallelujah. So it's almost trying like, to, if you read the verse very well, it's almost like as though he's shielding us and saying, Don't take it up, with them, Take it up, with God. So he says, He says, um, um, who should lay anything to the child of God's elect? It is God that justified. So if you want to lay anything to the child of God's elect, face the God that justified them. Hallelujah. And then he goes afterwards. He says, Who is it that condemns? It is Christ that died. A year he rather he's reason again. Who is even the writer of God? So if you want to condemn, you can't face them. Face the one that died for them. That is reason again. See that the right hand of God, making intercessions for them. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So you see, we have every confidence in this. Righteousness is my faith. I, I can see it with every sense of confidence and boldness. I'm righteous in Christ Jesus. And that's not me being proud. Yes, that's me being humble. You know why? Because I've told you before, humility is me saying that God has said about me. Hallelujah. I'm righteous in Christ Jesus. I'm righteous in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's not a function of what I've done. Even though works are good. All right, but well, they are not works to make me saved. The works to make me justified. They are works that proceed from me because I'm already saved. They are works that proceed from me because I'm already justified. Hallelujah! That's my nature. That's who I am. In Christ Jesus, I've been made righteous. I've been made righteous. I've been made righteous. I'm made righteous in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! It's not of the works of the law. It's not about the things that I do or not do. No, you know what we say like the sin of commission, sin of omission. So not only did you sin by what you did, the sin. Of what you forgot to do. So much problems in this world. They don't be finish. When there is just righteousness in Christ Jesus, through faith. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, i am made righteous. Hallelujah. That's my nature. That's who I am. Hallelujah. I'm free in indeed. In Christ, I'm free in peace. No chains are holding me. It's who I am. Hallelujah. I was blind, but now I speak. It's who I am. That's my nature. I'm righteous by grace through faith. That's why I am. I'm not, I'm not making boast in something. I'm not making boast in myself. No. I'm making boast in that which God does, In that which he has done for me. And so now, I have every reason to stand before him in the place of prayer. I have every reason to stand before him. You know, at any, concerning anything in my life. Why? Because of this very I have received righteousness. I have his right standing. And you see, this is beyond a the theological subject. Because for some people, when certain issues happen in their lives, they think, the reflecting across their life they are calling their boundaries, about seeing their needs Which I think is ridiculous, because if they are being honest, you can't go on without at least having a negative thoughts. So the reality of it, then I, I think is this, if if you are genuinely, if you are being honest and genuine, if you want to use whether or not you've sinned in the past one week, to judge whether or not God should come through for you, you might as well not bother asking him to come through. Because you will find the fault somewhere. Do you understand me? But listen to me. In Christ, just are righteous. You see there's a reason actually in James 5 of the 17 that it says the flexor prayer of the righteous man appeared much. Because you see, there's something about righteousness consciousness that makes a man move. Hallelujah. But guess what? When it says the fleet of family prayer of the righteous man appealeth much, the righteous man speaks about them. He's the man Christ. Because in Christ Jesus, you have been made righteous. So what that means is that at every point in time, I have every right to lay in demand of God in prayer. Every single right. There's never a point in time when I stand to pray. Just tell me. And I, 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 or Rameo, you know something like that in Yoruba? Like, my mouth cannot handle asking God. Because there's something that, there's never a time like that. Every time when I stand to pray, I have every reason. And every right to the name of Jesus. Why? Because I've received his righteousness. Hallelujah. God. Thank you for listening. We're sure that it was an amazing time. For questions and inquiries, reach out to us on at gmail.com. We call you blessed.